Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on the old video on Crowdcast and over at YouTube, or maybe you're listening later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, hello. We hope you're having a nice night. But just to kick things off, probably not having as nice of a night as two of our lovely Patreon members, Ben yes. and Beercat PhD, who just Congrats. announced that they got engaged uh, over in our Patreon Slack, shout. and we just wanted to give them a shout-out right at the top of the show. Oh, love. 100%. Um, no doubt they're celebrating in our comments. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, maybe not. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Now, that's one fine. thing I do want to point out that I thought was kind of interesting, Pete and I were talking about this before the show, and Pete did mention, yes, they were together before they joined our Patreon. That's right. But they weren't yeah. engaged until they started supporting our Patreon. That is so just a I don't want to say, say I don't want to say supporting at patreon.com slash comic book club is the key to finding true love, but I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> exactly. Is there, is there any other example of love blossoming from hmm. our shouted opinions about comic books? Yes. yes because uh, I, honestly, we are a hookup <laughs> palace at this point. Yes. We're talking about we're, Pete. We're like a, a, play, a Kana Sutra. We're a Listen, Kana we've Sutra. only tried for twice at this point. We tried for you, Pete, very hard. That was me and Justin pushing that one. Definitely. Oh, God, did we yeah. make that and of course, Ben one? and Beercat PhD, Matchmaker. they were like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to get engaged. And we were like, no, do it. We're going to, we took them ring shopping. We were very involved. That was a yeah, shitty impression of Ben that you did there. I'm Ben. <laughs> Pete, as our as our rom com expert, like, yeah. when are you going to develop the rom com built around comic book club and how you and many others have found true love yeah, here? I'll get going on that pages. script. We'll just get going on it. You could write a I'm book in. called How I Patriot Won Her Heart. Oh, wow. You oh, there we go. are getting no thanks you in the back are of my, my book. editor. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. All right. Never mind. <laughs> another item of business, another thing of equal excitement to two human beings who are in love getting engaged. We are drinking another drink curated by there it is. Brett wow. Macris, our official CBC Straight chef. Bullies. Today, we are drinking the Roman from Gotham City Cocktails. I'll tell you what. So this is a weird drink, a little bit of weird. Uh, It is a aperitivo. Um, So it's like... You drank it before dinner. Mm -hmm. Mm. There we go. Uh, So it's Campari Sweet Vermouth Averna Balsamic Vinegar. Ooh, balsam. Splash of club soda, and it's supposed to have two olives. And I'll tell you what, I I skipped the olives because that was Smart. like a little too much for me. 
Honestly, this is a cocktail that I, if I wasn't in the woods right now, I would have loved to make. This is my kind of cocktail. I love vinegar. I love bitter. This is like right over the plate for your boy, JT. Yeah, it's not terrible. I didn't love the first sip, but as it's kind of sat in the ice for a little bit, I think it's gotten a little better. Um, But The the more you drink, the better it tastes. Oh, yeah. I should keep going with it. But not my 100% favorite one. But... I will mention, and then we'll plug this again at the end of the show, this is all teeing up. This is a cocktail, as mentioned, from Gotham City Cocktails by Andre Darlington. And next week on the show, our guests are going to be Andre Darlington, the writer of Gotham City Cocktails, and Brett Macris. Our official CBC. Stray bullies. It'll be, be great to see him. Oh, I can't wait. So maybe we'll set up some sort of cocktail demonstration, do some shots. All inspired Shot. by Batman, the drunkest of all superheroes. 100%. That guy. Uh, oh, you know, weird. a lot of those pouches are just full of liquor. Nobody knows. <laughs> Not even in bottles. It's just loose, liquid uh, liquor. There's nothing like mm-hmm. pouch liquor, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them are just straight up shooters. You just dump yeah, them, yeah. unbutton them, and dump them. Just there you get go. in that belt. Uh, all right. That all said, we have a great show for you guys. We have two amazing guests. Later on in the show, Ray Fox is going to be here. But right now, I'm going to invite our first guest. He is the artist of the Khan Asutra, which is on Woo-hoo. sale now from Smart Pop Press. Ladies and gentlemen, J.K. Woodward. Hello. Hey, welcome. Yeah. How are you? How's it going? Good, good. good. Uh, excited to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show. So this is... A wild sweet project. T-shirt. The, you've got a sweet T-shirt, got a sweet drink going on, uh, but you also have a wild book that you're working on. Uh, the Kama Sutra is exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of like a dirty Kama Sutra. There's a fair amount of humor to it. It's very funny and wild, and you drew a lot of different positions for it. What was, <laughs> what was the uh, what was the research like, JK? Well, that, that was a lot of fun, and and my search history will never be the same. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of freeze frames. Um, it's not a quick freeze frame. <laughs> the book is exactly what it sounds like. It's it's a dirty nerd joke book. Um, but um, <laughs> good for you. Good the for thing you. I love about it is it's it's uh, it's it's all inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, LGBT, straight, everybody um, is represented in this. Um, and it's funny as hell because there's a lot of references in it. So. Uh, and I think like a lot of these jokes, you'll 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 look at this book and go, oh, I made that joke before. But there's probably some in there that you haven't made before. <laughs> well, well, what I like you... about it is like it's it's not a the, the positions are real or like it's not. A, <laughs> there's some education here. There's some people can learn a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, there was a, a Doctor Who one I had to draw. Uh, not really, though, because, you know, copyright. But um <laughs> There was a Doctor Who one I had to draw, and I couldn't come up with a good position. And so I did some research, and I discovered the helicopter. Look it up. <laughs> um, which was uh, – it takes a core strength to do, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to draw. That's just an example. I mean, it, <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, when you're drawing something like this, uh, I was – I was kind of surprised. Obviously, you're showing these positions. There's a lot of sex. We just watched a video, if you're watching the video live, where you see uh, quite a bit, but it's relatively reserved in a certain way. Like, you do hold back on some of the nudity, and it's not the raunchiest thing, frankly, that even we've read for, you know, the show or anything oh, like that. So, yeah, so, yeah what was it, the goal? It's there? a hard R at best. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's, it's R-rated at best. I mean, we, we were very careful to make it... Um, 
uh, well, not safe for work, but close. <laughs> not too bad to, to look at. There's like no pastrami or anything. Well, and that's the, what I always say. No pastrami. And the other thing is that, like you were saying, it's funny. Like that's another thing that I was kind of surprised about. Is it starts? That's really what it's about. It, it's really what it's about. It's about the uh, the love of uh, pop culture, comics, movies, sci-fi, uh, and and squeeze as many jokes as we can in there. Um, I actually uh, never met the writer, uh, Professor Triple Xavier, if that's his real name. Um, <laughs> I, I just got the script, uh, but when I got the script, I couldn't wait to work on this. I mean, uh, shout you, out to. You... Go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. I was going to say shout out to Derek Mainhart in the comments too. Uh, boils down to what Alex is saying: be more dirty, not dirty enough. When Alex sees a hard R, that's his G. He wants to go harder and higher. Yeah, raunchier, 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 please. This, no, this is not I, hard enough. Thanks so much for coming on the show, but you're. Good. I, I did. I was impressed with this book because you know it seems like it would just be uh, raunchy for raunchy's sake, or uh, you know just a kind of uh, uh, a weird cross between comic book nerds in sexual positions but i was really impressed with the humor the jokes uh kind of like uh leading the way in a way that uh has some heart to it it's not just a kind of like uh you know kind of like (laughs) different sexual positions type of feel to it uh i was i was very pleasantly surprised and enjoyed reading it yeah what i really enjoyed about it when i first got the script is the jokes were more about the um the, the nerd experience yeah, <laughs> than it yeah. was about the sexual experience. There were, yeah, there was sex jokes in there, but um, it was like, for instance, um, there's um, one page called the con. I'll, I'll actually read this to you. So you get the idea. This cool. is an example of where it's really more about the, the experience of, of going to a con than it is about uh, step one, sit in front of a screen and wait for six hours. Step two, pleasure yourself to a 20 second teaser for Zack Snyder movie. Step three, write a blog post about how disappointing you found the entire experience. Step four, repeat steps one through three for four days. 100% accurate. What are some are of your sure. faves? Well, yes. Uh, what are some of your faves from the, from the book, uh, either to well, draw book, or just in general? Well, the, the title that made me laugh the most was Wookie Nookie. Um, <laughs> and it, it, <laughs> it's, it's about people that don't shave. Uh, the Standing Lee was pretty funny. My favorite to draw was, uh, it was called The Wayne Manor, M-A-N-N-E-R. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's fun. Yeah. You, I, I'm not going to spoil it by describing the picture. You have to see it. Um, but, you know, I think my favorite experience about this is normally, if, if you're familiar with my work that I do in, in Star Trek and some of the other comics I've done, I'm a photorealistic painter, like sort of like an Alex Ross or a Steve Root kind of uh, painting style. I, I use gouache. Uh, this time I got to finally do kind of a uh, Bronze Age style that I've always wanted to do since I was 13 years old. <laughs> and I always thought I would be, end up doing a comics that I never ended up doing. I even got to use, uh, you know, um, the, you know the, the dots, <laughs> um, pen and ink. Uh, and I even kept the coloring very simple so it looks – and uh, I actually put a news – if you look closely at it, you see a newsprint texture over the whole thing. And it really gives you the feel of you're looking at a 1980s comic. And that was the, the whole idea. And it was something I've always wanted to do that, you know, I'm never going to get to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> well and I, I love that choice. Um, it makes it feel like this is something that that has a history that was passed around, perhaps, uh, from uh, different people. Like, oh, you got to check this out. 
oh, I found this in a stump in the woods. The kind of sutra. <laughs> it's real. That's mainly how they sell comics nowadays, right? Stumps and woods. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Where yeah. our gift card for uh, trivia this week is for the stump in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Check out what Pete has left you there. It's pretty exciting. Uh, did you? Were you, I mean, I think you kind of already answered this, but where? Where did the Bronze Age thing start? Like, how did you broach that subject? Were there other directions that maybe you wanted to head in? Like, it was all going to look like Rob Liefeld, 90s style, extreme, no feet? Or we, were there different yeah, directions we toyed, going, I guess? We definitely toyed with that idea of showing different eras of, of comic book art and doing it in the most cliche way as possible. Um, but it felt like a little too much. We need something to unify all the jokes. So we needed a standard art style. And I think the best way to go... Um, from my opinion, was Bronze Age, because that's the the most recognizable classic comic book style that everybody uses uh, when they think sure. comic. You know, um, right? So, and also, it's something I wanted to do, so I I pushed really hard for it. <laughs> I love that when your most like basic CBS procedurals, like we need a comic book for this dumb story we're telling. They're like, it's always like a a Bronze Age. It's like, no, that's not a comic anyone's seen in the last thirty years, unless they're like in a back issue box. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it is iconic. It's an iconic look. True, you know. Um, and I, you know, I just always wanted to, to you know, like my, all my heroes are like, you know. Uh, 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 Basima, Byrne, you know, I, oh, I, wow. I grew up reading comics in the late seventies, early eighties. I'm aging myself, but I mean, that was, that was my era. That was when I was around 12, you know, they, they say the golden age of comics is 12 and uh, that was 82 for me, you know, so that's the kind of um, thing I've always wanted to do and never got to do. You now, know, since I, you are pretty well known for the Star Trek books, I'll mention that there's at least one, if not more pages involving some Star Trek characters did you get nervous about tackling that at all, given that you're so entrenched in the franchise? <laughs> I'm never going to work again, was my thought, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we were, we were careful to make jokes about it, but make the illustrations look like cosplayers that are paying homage to that, rather than looking like... We definitely didn't want it to be mistaken for actors or, or, or real people, because that's... Uh, well, it's, it's a little disrespectful. <laughs> and it's also um, a lawsuit. So, yeah. <laughs> we... Um, we approached in a way that we didn't actually uh, infringe on any uh, trademarks or copyrights and most certainly uh, didn't look like any of the characters from the show. Um, for instance, uh, if you look at triple X files, I mean, these, these aren't, this isn't Mulder and Scully. It's somebody mm -hmm. in an alien mask and, 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 you know, somebody else altogether. We also um, tried to, to get as much diversity in the characters as we can. And you can't always do that with old shows. <laughs> You know, sure, so, yeah. so we approached it as yeah, people cosplaying. Well, I will uh, say though, beyond the cosplay of the Star Trek one, there is a double-sided dildo, and at least one of the sides definitely <laughs> looks like a certain starship captain. Unrelated. Happy birthday to Patrick Stewart today. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Wow, Zalvin! Wow! Well, wow, let's dude. welcome him into the stream. Oh, yeah, here he is. <laughs> He'd like to comment on this. Well, oh, let me ask you. Um, were there any, I mean, there are a lot of like faces in this book. Are, did you put any special shout outs to any friends um, in, oh, in yeah. uh, as you're drawing this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm in it. My girlfriend's in it. Uh, some there friends of, of the editor in it. And uh, yeah. So there are at least eight people we know that are in it. <laughs> and uh, the rest are pretty much made up. 
How do they feel about that? I'm, I'm assuming we asked permission, but <laughs> I'm assuming it's an honor, oh, right? I mean, they should be grateful. Sure. Yes. Yeah, right. Right. Never yeah. ask for permission, just forgiveness, especially if you're in a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, the thing that's also tricky about this, and we've certainly talked about this a lot on our show over the past year and a half, is this feels like very specifically a con book. Like it's the sort of book that you sell at a con, you have the table, you do a big splashy release there, but you didn't really get to do that because those aren't necessarily open. Do you have any plans to do anything with it down the road now that things are opening again a bit? Yeah. Um, my con schedule. Just started uh, getting busy again, which is which is great. I, I, I had already done a, a con in Jersey where before this book came out, but we we passed out flyers and stuff with with a you know uh, ordering information. And then I did a con in Albuquerque just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I took my comps there just to see how they would do, and I sold out. So nice. <laughs> so you're right; it is definitely a con book, and I am doing uh, more cons in the future. So I, I got one coming up in three weeks, I think. Yeah, Can't wait uh, for the live panel. Uh, let us know if you need any help uh, with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm getting a lot of comments here on the last thing that I said, mentioning that uh, we're looking forward to a splashy release, saying that things were opening again. And frankly, I'm finding this whole thing very frustrating. Like, I'm getting super frustrated about everything that's going on. You should have seen what it was like having meetings with the editor. <laughs> we, we do the same thing. <laughs> We'd be like, <laughs> you said opening. <laughs> were there <clears throat> ideas that were left on the table, something that potentially could be used in a Kana Sutra part tool? Stop it. You can't. I'm sorry. No, I'm it's just trying yeah, to have a conversation. It's normal. Yeah, no, it's um, totally. I'm used to you saying uh, it's just we're really on topic here for you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. This book does bring out your inner 12 year old in a big way. <laughs> Um, because you start giggling at dirty jokes again. Um, oh, yeah. the, the script, like I said, was already done. Never met the writer. Um, worked with the editor, just doing sketches. And to be honest, I would I would do one or two, three different ideas for every every joke, and um, and then we would talk about the one we liked the best, and then build on that. And so, but I can't remember anything specific that um, we thought of that didn't work. I mean, I know there were some funny ones in there. Because there were some, like, I, I remember looking back on them going, like, oh, I can't believe I tried to pass that off. Because <laughs> um, we always tried to, we, we tried to walk that line between funny and taste. So, I mean, it was it was kind of a, um, but, you know, when I'm doing thumbnail sketches, I'm just going, like, ah, let's try this. You know, you, you just kind of let your, let your stuff go. So there was some pretty good ones in there, but I can't tell you specifically. But maybe I'll go back through them for, <laughs> for the sequel. Yes. <laughs> Uh, now, what else beyond this? What else are you working on? What else is coming up for you that you might want to plug? Um, I just got some really good news about 10 minutes before this came out, but I can't talk about that, of course. 10 cause... minutes? Holy wow. shit. Yeah, that's wow. it's, it's a cover for a publisher I haven't worked with before. So I'm mm. just yeah, go, go to my bio and process of elimination. Um, <laughs> Congrats. That's awesome. I'm also, um, we, we have a new uh, Mirror Universe. We, we, I don't know if you're familiar with the Star Trek Mirror Universe stuff. We started about three years ago, but yeah. it started with a book called Mirror Broken, where we took the next generation and did Mirror Universe versions of them, harsher, warrior, um, harder versions, muscular versions. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it, but uh, Patrick Stewart <laughs> yeah, yeah. has like these giant Python arms. Um, we 
we're doing a new series of that called Mirror Wars, where we're tying in what we did with the Mirror Universe in Next Generation, and we're tying it into the canon of Deep Space Nine, oh, uh, wow. the actual episodes that have been done in the Mirror Universe. Um, so we're really excited wow. about that. I'm not doing the interiors, I'm, but I'm doing all eight covers, eight-issue miniseries. And I believe that comes out, the first one comes out in September. Oh, so I think that might awesome. already that's be in cool. previews. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see that. Cool. Uh, JK, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, a uh, pleasure talking about this. The book is a lot of fun, and everybody should go check it out. Yeah, congrats. And Definitely. You can find it on, uh, 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 was it? <laughs> I forgot the name of it. What's the name of the publisher again? Uh, oh, is it smartpop.com? Smartpop.com. Or anywhere anywhere books are sold. It, it, All right. Find there it. we go. Awesome. JK, have a great night, and congratulations on the Congrats. named cover. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Talk to you good. soon. Later. All right. There we go. Once again, that is JK Woodward. The book is called The Khan Sutra, and as mentioned, it is on sale now from Smart Pop Press, and it's a lot of fun. Like we were talking about... I, like Pete was saying, I was a little hesitant getting into it, but it's very funny. Then you um, really got into it, though, you know? Like, it. what's your... I don't, nuts. I don't buy wild. that you were hesitant to get into it. That doesn't sound yeah. like you at all. It was, it was great. Uh, I think I speak for Pete and I when it, it's like being invited over to your sort of porny uncle's house. And he's like, you gotta meet my friend. He's an artist. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, cool. <sighs> Well, oh, he's drawing sex. Okay. <laughs> Is that what that looks like? <laughs> oh, I got to go out to the stump. All right. Next up, we have a... Right over wow, here, what a transition. I'm in the woods. <laughs> oh. Let's invite our next guest into the stream. His name is Ray Fox. He is the creator of One Line, which is on sale July 21st from Oni Press. It's not exactly a sequel, but it is a pseudo-sequel to One Soul, which is something that we'll talk about, which is one of the best books of the past several decades, I would say, fairly enough. Nice. Yeah. Um, but very excited to talk about this book, which is very cool. Whenever he gets into the stream, hey, you guys want to talk about sex positions for a little bit while we're waiting for him? Uh, no, What's your I favorite. Was... What's your favorite sex position? Just real quick. Uh, Pete, I was going to say it was it was hard to uh, uh, stay focused on the uh, interview because the comments were so funny in this interview. So oh. uh, it was a uh, it was a, a challenge not to uh, not to get too uh, cracked up. Well, I'll tell you what, if some of these people in the comments, I don't know if all of them are on our Patreon, but if they take that energy and subscribe to our Patreon, maybe they could find true love. I'm just saying. Wow, dude. Wow. What a real full service podcast. Uh, Sex, <laughs> love. What, what else is there? Yeah, I think some we should do less. We should be doing less. Cocktails. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you, Brett. <laughs> We should start some sort of a gambling segment. <laughs> this, oh, is a vice, this is a vice podcast. <laughs> What's your favorite drugs? What drugs do you like to try? <laughs> I've been licking any toad I can get my little fingers on out here. And, oh, uh, uh, I haven't been tripping, but I've been very sick. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, here, it looks like Ray is taking a second to come in, so I'm just going to remove him and bring him back in in case he's listening to this so he knows what's Nice. Happening. Great tech update, porny uncle. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. Hey, Hello. Back. Hey, Ray. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for so much for coming on the show. Thanks for chatting. As we said a little bit in the intro, this isn't exactly a sequel to One Soul. It's more, I guess... A thematic extension is almost maybe what I want to call it. Is that yeah. fair? Is that an okay way of looking at it? Yeah, it's kind of like an expansion 
of mm-hmm. one soul in a way um you know one soul was i guess for people in the audience who might not know one soul was sort of the simultaneously the story of 18 different people's entire lives um wow. throughout the world and throughout time throughout history one line is about 18 families over the course of about 400 years yeah so wow. it's kind of um you know one soul ended where one character died but one line is about the generations um of each family and and what people inherit so when you're crafting something like this with one soul it's its own challenge of course because you're following these 80 different lives on each double page spread here it's multiple characters multiple narratives what is your planning process like for this? There was a lot of index cards yeah. all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> like one of those, you know, the meme of like uh, all the yarn and cards on the wall and everything. There was a lot of index cards all over my floor. Um, so, and uh, a lot of pieces of paper shuffled all around everywhere. And what about this type of storytelling, this sort of very expansive, like the widest point of view possible uh what about that what about that style attracts you to it uh it kind of came about actually because i think it's something that only comics can do to this extent i think when you watch a movie or a tv show or something you can kind of have two narratives unfolding at the same time sometimes three or four although that starts to get a little dicey but uh, it, it, only in comics have i ever seen where you can actually like um mentally process something like 12 or 18 stories at once um and i think that's one of the most incredible strengths of comics and and it's a thing that's actually silent people don't notice it most of the time but when you're reading a page with a bunch of captions you can have these quick cuts and these quick um sort of asides and then you can have captions that are not related to what you're looking at at all and you're actually processing maybe five stories at once in a lot of comics uh, so originally when I was doing One Soul, it was kind of a challenge to myself to see if I could, how far I could take that. And, and 18 seemed to be the limit because of the nine panel grid. Mm. Well, I uh, really appreciated the the kind of like pacing of this of the stories. It was really, there was almost kind of like a, a rhythm to the different characters and the use of like the black uh, kind of like uh, uh, panels as well, like really fed into that in such a interesting, powerful way. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, did you obviously you considered that, but can you talk a little bit about like um, when you're kind of telling that many stories, like the thought behind like kind of like uh, the pacing of it or how it's going to kind of go? Yeah, sure. I mean, like um, because it's so complicated, because there's so much happening, a lot of things have to be considered. And one of the things that has to be considered is the rhythm of your reading. If, if any of the panels get too wordy or if, if everything is wordy all at once, uh, it can, you know, it can be exhausting. Um, yeah. Also, there's there's kind of a bit of um, these books are a little bit of stealth poetry. I'm kind of sneaking poetry into. Yeah, comics. you are. Um, and, and so the cadence and the rhythm is very important in the kind of poetic delivery of these different stories and different lives. And, and to kind of get you to the point that I'm trying to talk about. Um, so the, the, the line work is spare compared to my usual. I, I often do these fully painted books and they're very um, kind of all over the place. But in these books, the line work is very controlled and, and just the same way, the, 
dialogue is very controlled so that you get the exact rhythm that I'm hoping for. Well, let me throw out visual, not to be too snobby about it, but visual poetry, it really feels like each of your panels is so, uh, the the image is so specifically chosen, it feels like. It's almost like haiku uh, style, uh, on Pete's point, the language of it. Um, And it makes for this reading experience where it is very measured. You have to sort of like, perceive each panel uh, at, at in its time before you can sort of really keep going. I feel like so many comics, uh, reading comics is about like moving quickly and it's about the dynamism between the different panels. And this is very much like, like take each one of these, like a little, like a little sip of a glass of wine, if I may say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I, I, I think that is, that's very rare. I really appreciate that in this book. Um, thanks. I mean, like it's, uh, these books come of a lot of, um, you know, I've, I've written sort of more traditional comics and I've written sort of very experimental comics in another direction, but these books come from a, a sort of self-challenge where I wanted to do something that I felt could only be comics and could right. demonstrate to me some of the limits of comics or, or the fact that those limits aren't, aren't real limits at all. The, the things that people talk about, how much you can see on a page or or even things like subject matter that in you sort of North American comics, we don't really deal a lot with philosophy. Um, uh, and I wanted to sort of challenge myself to create something that I thought could push some of those limits. And then, you know, then I just wanted to put it out there and see if anybody else was interested. Were you hesitant at all to return to the general idea of one soul or did it feel like a story or stories that you had to tell? Um, well, I was hesitant because these books are a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a shitload of work. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I go a little bit nuts while doing them. So <laughs> from that perspective, I was hesitant. But no, I, I always knew that there was one piece of subject matter that I really wanted to talk about in One Soul that I never got to. Uh, and that was the way we inherit... Um, both great like ambitions and and talents and things and also restrictions and prejudices and and hatred and things like that and that was something that i could never really get to in one soul because one soul was so focused on individual lives Mm. um so it was always kind of in my notes and and over the over the years you know as i thought about possibly doing another volume a final volume actually in this style because I don't think I can do it again. Um, uh, I went back to that and I thought I could possibly talk about that and actually make that the focus of the book, the the way things get handed to you from the previous generations and the way you pass them on to the next generations. Do you have, and, and I'm guessing the answer to this is however you want, but do you have a preferred reading method for this book? Is it take in the whole double page spread, read through it panel by panel, read the book 18 times, one, one family at a time, and then go back. How do you prefer? Uh, the book is deliberately written so that you can read it whichever way you want. Mm-hmm. Um, that was part of the work actually involved in planning it the most, the heaviest. Um, I mean, like for me, because I worked on it that way, I tend to read it each spread at a time. Um, but I very purposely set it up so that you can read it other ways. You can read it one family at a time if you want to. 
if you're, and I don't know if this ever cropped up when you were planning it, but I imagine there has to be a point when you are planning it out and you realize, oh, this one family went in another direction that I, this family is going. So I actually have to go back and change this thing that happened 15 pages prior. How do you tackle something like that? That happens in the planning process. By the time I'm drawing the pages, it's not going to happen anymore okay. because I know the page, the, the book is so intricate. The book only works if I stick to the script, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm actually, it's funny because in most things that I do, I'm quite a free form writer. Mm. And so this was almost an exercise in forcing myself to stick to something, to plan it out very carefully and stick to it. It's like, it's like telling yourself, okay, you can write this, you can write this story, but you have to write it in iambic pentameter or something like it's like, um, very different for me. So, you know, and it's funny because every time I finish one of these books, the next book that I do is always something with like no panel borders. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of so that I can get back to that part of myself and say, okay, if if these characters take a turn, I'm just going to go with it. In the, you're talking about, uh, you were saying earlier, you use a ton of index cards. With a book this expansive, is that a wall? Is it a room? Like, how were you? And if you did do a rewrite before you got to the drawing phase, how did, like, can you describe how that just well, ruined everything? Well, there's like a lot of index cards got thrown out and scribbled over yeah. and, and all that. And um, I mean, in my studio on the floor, I was planning it out by, you know, I kind of had a sheet with the general storyline. And then there was just, sections of the floor that was index cards indicating all 18 panels wow and mm-hmm. i was sort of there would just be a note on on one of them like you know samurai in battle and i would shuffle them around and i would make sure everything sort of fit into the rhythm you guys were talking about and then sort of move those cards away and then put the next few spreads and then the next few and then if everything was working great and if everything wasn't working then my whole floor is covered with cards as i move them. <sighs> Well, and let me just, sorry, one more, one more question on that. Like, how do you get yourself in that mindset? That is such a meticulous way of writing anything. Like when you, in, so your studio is separate from your home. Are you walking to the studio being just like, whoo, God, well, the, that the studio's downstairs. So I'm kind of doing that okay. as I go down the stairs. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I love puzzles. I'm a puzzle solver, right? And so to me, the whole thing is like a giant, like constructing a giant puzzle, right? And and when the pieces all fit, then it starts to feel right. It starts to feel good. And I I say the story is working, right? And the pieces aren't fitting, then then it's me sitting down in my studio, you know, with a cup of coffee or a bottle of something else, and going, how do I, how do I morning into evening work? Yeah. Yeah. We have a well, question. I, oh, I, I was just going to ask a question here in the comments. Derek yeah. Gainhart says, the complexity of this reminds me of Chris Ware. Was he an influence? Uh, yeah. I mean, in a kind of a sidelong way, like um, I love the experiments that Chris Ware does. And I love his, I especially love all his work with all the tiny little panels, like where he'd have like mm. 50 panels on a page or something like that. And what I love about it is... Um, and this was definitely an influence on these books. I love how much he can tell with how little. Right. He can have just a few yeah. lines describing a character like walking in the snow and you're like, this whole story is unfolding, right? 
And so that was definitely an influence, but structure wise, not so much. Yeah. I mean, one of the things is like, first off, I, you know, I'm sure it's very taxing on you, but man, it really pays off when you're reading it because it then becomes so moving and, and so powerful when you kind of stop and think about all these things that you kind of like experienced at once through, through the kind of panels and everything. But I, the just the facial stuff that has to be expressed to kind of like really uh, um, get these points of what people are going through and to kind of like show the emotion is really impressive. It's definitely like you're saying, like less is more. There is some really just some like powerful imagery of, of people going through stuff and their their faces are just so fantastic and well done. I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I look at my own work like every artist does. All I see is the problems. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, I was really <laughs> oh, I'm sorry you can't read this, man. It's awesome. It, uh, it's great. <laughs> if you can get out of your own head for a little bit, it's really it's, yeah, enjoyable. Just, it, like, you know, I, I love hearing other people's experience with my books, but it's funny that to me, like the, the great feeling that comes when I read one of my books like this is I say, oh, it works. You know, and, then... and that's uh, yeah, it's like a building a machine. Just hit yourself in the head with a hammer and very quickly read the book right afterwards. Yeah, and I think like, that'll I don't just know who I am, but this book is great. This book is dope. <laughs> I was really struck by, and this is obviously part of the point of the book, but I was really struck by when you would see panels visually connect across the borders. When and I don't know if you can pinpoint this because it does happen again throughout the book, but when was important to do that, to connect those panels versus leaving them separate and kind of running their own trains? Well, it's funny because one of the pieces of comic book language that's really cool and also kind of invisible is the gutter. Um, and, mm. you know, people talk about how you don't notice, but the size and shape of the gutter actually affects the speed that you're reading the page. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's always occurred to me that, and I've seen several artists use it this way. The gutter also really works as a separation between characters or, or locations and such. And so I wanted to convey every once in a while that the connection between the characters, even though the gutter is still there, um, it, it it's almost supersedes the separation of the panels. Like when you have a pair of brothers embracing across the gutter, um, the gutter still separates them because they're still individual people but their world is together. Hmm. Love it. Oh, man. Uh, beyond this, you've done a lot of mainstream comic book work. And like you said, after you do these sort of things, you want to kind of scrub your brain a little bit. Yeah. Do you have anything <laughs> like that coming up at this point? I, do you have anything I, planned? I do. I'm working on a new, um, one of my painted horror books. Oh. Um, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's in the same sort of vein as my books like Intersect and Underwinter. Um, and it is, uh, you know, I go buck wild in it because, <laughs> because I, you know, drawing these grids with these very spare panels in them. So, um, it's totally painted and there's collage and there's craziness and everything. Wow. And, uh, I should be announcing that probably in a couple of weeks, actually. Awesome. I love the idea of you just like tearing your index cards off the floor, throwing yeah. some, uh, and just like getting <laughs> loose with the paint. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I can be perfectly honest and confess this, I throw them out. I don't, wow. I don't Good, you gotta. That's trash. Yeah. Yeah. I go out, and then the then the um, the paint palette comes in, and I start hitting the paper. 
Uh, nice. I love that. That's such a good uh, sort of shot chaser, palate okay. cleanser way to do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Love it. Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show. Love the book. It's really impressive. Yeah, and so cool. For people to see it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Take care. There we go. Once again, that is Ray Fox, and the book is called One Line. It's on sale July 21st from Oni Press, and it's very cool, and you should all check it out. For sure. And, and let me say, just like even like when I was reading through this, like all the time we've had very uh, intense time with our family. There's a with our family, friends, everything, COVID. There's a piece to this book that was so satisfying for me to read mm. uh, when we were reading it. So uh, definitely, definitely pick it up. Good comment. And let's pick it up with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. But hey, before we get to audience questions, uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys again, not to harp on it too much, but oh wow, how about that? Uh, how about that Kanasutra? Kama, Kama <laughs> what would you guys think of that? Like that Kama Sutra? Dude, why are you so creepy, man? Mm. Like it. uh, it's not creepy. It's not creepy. There's not, I'm not creeped out by Alex. I'm just like, I yeah. know what Alex was running through his brain a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Are you gonna? Are you guys gonna try out some of those moves with you later? From yeah, the I'll uh, try. I'll try a couple of those out. Yeah. I mean, I we've got our. I've got my moves, <laughs> and like it's always nice to sort of shake it up, whether it's pre-planned or in the moment. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I uh, I don't know what to tell you, um, but uh, this is this is uh, somehow tying into uh, to Manscaped and Lawnmower Four Point <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, oh Pete. wow! <laughs> Great, thanks for reading the script, Pete. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, yes, uh, the what we were trying to tee you up for was you were going to say, I Pete. See. Yes, if you were going to try some of these moves. Um, you were going to say this, uh, I'll just read your lines. I'm Pete in this situation. Tell you what, if you're going to try some of those moves, you're going to want, oh, and Pete, you're me, you're Alex. You're going to want some nice shaved balls. And for that, you have to try Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0. Oh, that's nice. Pete, Pete, and by that, I mean, Alex, I mean, Pete, uh, I'm disgusted by this. No, it's just the natural. You don't understand. I think you're ignoring the rest of your hairy body. It's summer, Pete. You got to upgrade that Manscaped performance package to 4.0. The what? With the new fourth generation performance package, you get the lawnmower 4.0. You're getting the weed whacker, uh, ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserve ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performer performance boxer briefs, and the travel bag to hold your goodies. Oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to make myself as smooth as a newborn baby. Oh, good Pete impression. Let me throw out right now, I am wearing my Manscaped uh, boxer briefs right now, and I love them. Really? Um, yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, the proof, I'll, I'll prove it. Uh, don't don't do right. that again. Have You've uh, already done that once. Let's, you know, let's move woo-hoo. on. Oh, there we go. Uh, they're right there. Glad Pete, the are you smooth that. still from the... Do you want to show that off from the lawnmower? No, I, I don't. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, it grows okay. back, Selvin. I don't know what to tell you. You don't. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Pete with the strong statement, it grows back. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If Put that on the side of the box, Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better comment than that. Uh, just to interrupt, this is a little bit of a side note, but uh, Manscaped recommends not throwing away after the first use because it grows back. <laughs> oh, I feel like Manscaped might recommend throwing it away. Oh, throwing like, it oh away. shit, it grows back. I need to buy oh, another one. Oh, I'm going to buy more. 
of the uh, lawnmower uh, 4.0s. Guys, I just yeah. wanted to say that uh, the crop preserver ball deodorant will keep uh, keep you on your game in the heat. <laughs> what are you reading? <laughs> I like Pete just picks a random statement to read. Um, let's just bust through this real quick, pun intended. Uh, you got the lawnmower 4.0 with a 4,000K LED spotlight, which is also waterproof. The weed whacker is also waterproof. You can do this in a full bath situation, Alex. I know you're taking those baths. Shout out to you. 100%. But I'll tell you what, if you are taking a bath, uh, you do want to use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant uh, because that'll keep you on your game in the heat, as Pete mentioned. And then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Nice, nice, nice. You want to do this part, Justin? Yeah, uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine on with Manscaped. Trademark. Wow. 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 That was great. Well, sorry, everybody. I just uh, got a call, actually, from Manscaped, and they said, you're fired? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. Well, and... Uh, like script aside, testimonial, like these boxer briefs are great. So, like, wow. definitely get them on your body. <laughs> Pete, I, and I, you, you love, I love using the lawnmower. Yeah, I like the lawnmower. The light's great. It doesn't nick your balls, which is exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping they send us more of the southern stuff because I'd love to try it out. <laughs> uh, you're in it for the free stuff. Speaking of free stuff, we're drinking free tonight because we've already paid drinking for it. Free. I, I've talked about what I'm drinking. I'm drinking the Roman. What are you guys drinking today? Uh, I, great I, question. Uh, oh, go ahead, Justin. You were I've drinking a white a, wine. Now you're drinking a red wine. I made the shift from white to red, as gentlemen do, and I'm drinking this great um, pure Breton uh, red wine that is so good. It's an organic red wine. I found at my store in Brooklyn, and I've been saving for a night like tonight. Whoo, it is tasty. Honestly, it has a lot of similar notes to the Roman, uh, sort mm. of balsamic notes. Very good. Interesting. You should put some and olives in it. Pete is on the bottle. Let's not um, let's not go. leave that aside. Yeah, I don't know what that means. But, uh, yeah, I'm drinking uh, a John Daly and Orny Palmer with some vodka in it. So, uh, you know, just enjoying that summer drink. <laughs> you said it's so sad there right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Just enjoying that summer drink. Summer oh, okay. Yeah, that over. does kind of, yeah. That yeah. does. Well, you were hanging on that anchor guy. with just grapes to cover you earlier on today, right? Yeah, yeah. that's usually how I like to spend my summer, hanging on an anchor <laughs> with my grapes hanging out. A lot of people don't know it when we are not when we're recording our other podcast. Pete is wearing only grapes. <laughs> that's how he parties. It's how he relaxes. Only grapes. <laughs> You always text us right before and say, hey, are we doing this one on the vine? <laughs> <laughs> Any different fun. grapes, different fruit and produce that's in season. Grapes, obviously. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. it's um, summer squash. Uh, sometimes sure. just acorns. Uh, October's really fun because it's pumpkins. That's, yeah, that's really that's makes it fun. safe. It's festive. Early spring is hard because it's mostly just chives. So it's, you know, <laughs> just very... Well, it's time for your audience questions. We're just going to cut to that. If you have any questions, drop them in the comments over on YouTube. I see a couple of them over here on Crowdcast already. So let's go to that first. This is from Edward Doherty. What Marvel characters have potential to hook viewers into the next saga of the MCU like Thanos did with the previous? Could Marvel build the next 20 movies around the arrival of a hero instead of a villain this time? 
Mm. This is gonna. This is the only thing. This last part that Pete's gonna focus on. I know. If Kem- Henry Cavill made a cameo as Wolverine, I would watch. Uh, How tall is Henry Cavill? I think he's five foot three. And let's just move on and not discuss. It All right. Great. Right. Great call. So, uh, well, what do you think about this? Is there a villain, a hero, somebody that they could hook the next? decade of storytelling on in the same way that they're doing with it. They did previously with Thanos. Well, yes. Um, let me throw out my, I have a twofold answer that is sort of the same answer, I guess. Um, the villain, I feel like we're, we're, we've been talking about Kang a lot. Kang is a villain. I think is often like seems intimidating, but is actually not at the end. The Kang is sort of a, an idiot in a lot of comic appearances anyway. Maybe they could change it for the MCU. But the villain behind all of this that would really change the game is Doctor Doom. And in that way, you introduce the heroes that could change the game, the Fantastic Four. If they do the Fantastic Four right, there is no batch of heroes that better signifies sort of the Marvel tone than the Fantastic Four. They are the core family of the Marvel Universe. They've been done dirty up until this point in uh, movies uh, that we've seen already. If they can do them right, I think that could really be they could really be the heroes that usher us into the future. Pete, what about you? You got an answer, hero or villain? Well, I think that um, Kevin brings up a, a good point. Squirrel Girl would be a fun, I think, like you have Deadpool on one end and then you got Squirrel Girl, who's also very funny, uh, but kind of in a, a different way. Uh, and I think it would be really fun to kind of team uh, the, that kind of up and kind of go in a fun, silly way. Uh, but I would say they've kind of already done it a little bit with Logan. Like, let's get X-23 in there. Let's get um, some kind of, like, new kind of uh, storytelling, some new uh, heroes in there, and kind of have some fun with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell Marvel what to do. They're doing a great job. Uh, We just want more story, you know? They're here. They want to know what to do. Mm -hmm. Kevin Feige's in the comments. Could you Alex, what's your answer? Yeah. What's my answer? Uh, I we, we've kind of talked about this a bit. Like, I don't think it's a singular hero. I think we're definitely heading towards like Dark Avengers, Thunderbolts, as well as Young Avengers. We've got some not exactly old school Avengers, but other people in the middle there, like Sam Wilson, Captain America. You got Captain Marvel, whoever's left surviving after Avengers Endgame, and then potentially, like you're saying, you throw Fantastic Four definitely into this mix. But somewhere down the road, X Men as well. You got a, you, you, baby, you got a stew. That's what I'm saying. You know, like you got a bunch of different hero characters there. You've really got a great setup for like a Secret Wars scenario that Beyonder wasn't exactly the villain in Secret Wars. It was just everybody fighting and trying to figure the situation out. And I think that's something that would give something different and fresh versus having this flashpoint like Thanos that ultimately has to leave up to some sort of portal situation like we have at the end of Avengers Endgame. Instead, if you have something different there, something that's still big on the same scale with all of these different teams, all of these different heroes and villains, but in the same way, I think that could work. Like, if that's something you don't even necessarily need to tease out over 10 years of movies, you could just have huge cliffhanger, you know, Secret Wars Part 1 and then Secret Wars Part 2, and that's how it all ends. Uh, And I I agree with you. Beyonder could sort of occupy that same spot as Thanos, where it was like, oh, he's bad. But also there's a philosophy behind it. And sort of uh, he was 
such an attraction um, in the in the first movie, like to really draw us in, and like he was sort of the star, the secret star of that movie. Um, but I do think we need that Iron Man. We need the the glue. Mm-hmm. We need the character, and it's partially performance. Robert Downey Jr. Like who is going to be that for the next phase? Like I, it has to. I think we do need that. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely they want to make Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange that guy, but I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's that guy. You need someone who is a little bit more brash, a little bit more like I do what I Groot. want. Groot is that guy. Come on, guys. Nope. Um, a tree is hard to make into that. I, ah, a Wolverine, a Wolverine easy. type character. You need a mm-hmm. Wolverine, um, an Iron Man, a Wolverine, like someone like that. And we don't have that right now. I don't. Do you think they can make Deadpool that? I don't know how you do necessarily, but I, I think de- you can't pull Deadpool into the center of the MCU. I think he has to be on the fringe doing what he's doing, sort of, you know, roasting everything. Mm-hmm. If you need someone who can not simultaneously, and it's hard to do, and Robert Downey Jr. was very good at it, be able to be fun and irreverent, but also be the heart of this entire movie franchise. And they, I don't know how you beat it what he did well i mean to the point that you were making earlier justin i think if you do the fantastic four they pulled pretty liberally on jonathan hickman's stuff for avengers infinity war and avengers endgame with the thanos storylines with the black order with other things going on there at least visually they pulled out of those storylines but if you do the same thing with hickman's secret wars i guess that throws fantastic four potentially right at the center there of that storyline with Dr. Doom, exactly like you're saying. And that could give that flashpoint that you think they need. And I think like you could share that the fantastic four could share that. Um, they sort of taken together. They are sort of a Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you combine the, the four of their personalities in the comments, were any people calling for Spider-Man? Well, that's me... what, that's what they're saying in the comments is they're setting up Spider-Man to kind of be the new Iron Man of the team. I don't think the way Peter Parker is, is not that right now. Like maybe if they introduce Miles Morales and it is, uh, and they make Miles that character, like this mm-hmm. sort of younger Tony Stark type character. But the way Peter Parker is right now, like, isn't that, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I agree. And I think if you put Spider-Man into that leadership position it just doesn't work as spider-man like they haven't even really done that in the comics over decades at this point and whenever he was on the avengers it was weird yeah it was was like he was an avengers sort of for a little bit like yeah i agree you guys are wrong in the comments forget it whoa whoa, whoa. comment slam go into og secret wars i'll tell you what skip ahead do secret wars too i want to see the beyonder use a toilet come on we want to see that on screen i've been waiting my whole life for that yeah. Guys, you hurt Sarah without an H's uh, feelings, and you know that's not nice. I'm sorry, Sarah, without an H. Well, but you were wrong. Okay, here we go. Nelson Martinez says, "Which shows from the Emmy nominations are you most excited for, and who do you want to see win the big ones?" Interesting Emmy noms. It's very Pretty focused. Weird. Yeah, and I guess it makes sense. There, it was a tough year when it came to TV, but it was such a fun, funny mix of. Shows that are like, oh, that show seems old, like The Crown. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, Hacks? That just came out. What are we talking about here? <laughs> it's like two that generations. That weird, and I know this is a weird thing to say on a geek culture show, but very strange to me how many nominations both Mandalorian and WandaVision got. Nice. Agreed. 
Well, That's across great. the board, it felt like the shows that were nominated, I was like, oh, right. I guess those are all shows that people Did want. Ted like Handmaid's Lasso Tale had a ton. Yeah. Uh, Jason Sudeikis is definitely going to win for comedy. I'll yes, call Ted that Lasso dominated. Right I think it wasn't the most yeah. nominated show, but it's one of the most nominated it shows. It should right? be. Well, they're just Justin, not, I don't know. Take I don't the know phone off the vibrating microphone. You're killing me over here. My phone is not vibrating. Um, there aren't a lot of comedies out there right now. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know... And like the category, the sketch category, where it's just a black lady sketch show and SNL, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> make that category something else. <laughs> uh, what did you think about, Justin, you must have been over the moon about this, because I remember you talking about it on our podcast. Don Cheadle got nominated for his incredible role as War Machine on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was such a beautiful scene. Were you so excited when you heard that? How does that happen? How long was that scene? How many lines was that scene? Four? He had four lines? What, I remember us very specifically talking about on the podcast as as if he just wandered into a museum and happened to be there that day. Exactly. And the fact that people, that was trending on Twitter when the Emmy Nods yeah. came out, that that was the one that was trending. I was like, get this shit out of here. Uh, that's it. I, I love Don Cheadle. So, of course, like, it's great well, to see a friend. show some respect, man. It's great to see a friend, but it's, you don't give me an Emmy nomination for wandering into the set for a couple of minutes. Hey, sometimes, you you know, you give it to the wandering person. Uh, you know, they deserve it. <laughs> there were uh, so many others. There's a ton of great shows out there. And also, it's the, f- the fact that our MCU shows, not a lot of noms, and one goes to Don Cheadle. Was <laughs> not even in it. It's well, like, lots of people mentioned why. Why didn't that go to Carl Lumley, for example, who was actually exactly. good on that show? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Someone who brought uh, some energy, a take, like yeah, a but, whole, like a main part of the story. It's like Don, Don Cheadle. You believed he just happened to be in a museum. <laughs> that guy is a very important actor. He doesn't yeah. hang out in museums mm-hmm. all day. He. You believed he was there. I mean, how crazy. You're literally saying he deserves an Emmy for showing up. You believed he was on set that day, and you're like, give that guy an award. Pete's part of the woke elite who believes people like Don Cheadle deserve participation trophies. Oh right, Pete? Who are you? What is you're that canceled. Statement? Get out of here. You just canceled, canceled yourself with Pete, that bullshit. You're officially canceled. I'll also mention Don Cheadle did tweet this after the nominations. He said, thanks, well-wishers. Sorry, haters. Agreed, shruggers. I don't really get it either, but on we go. That's right. And Adachino gets it. Like yeah. he is, he knows. He's like, yeah, I don't know. What do you want me to say? No, of course I want to have an award. <laughs> <laughs> he's never won an Emmy too. He's been nominated legitimately for some amazing performances. This he's is probably going to win for this. He's probably going to win for this. That's crazy. Yeah. Ridiculous. Anyway. There you go. I guess that's our hot takes on the Emmy nominations. We just screamed at high pitched voices about Don Cheadle. Yeah, sometimes you've got to give an award to somebody who deserves it and hasn't gotten it yet, and maybe that wasn't the show for it, but it, it should have happened anyway. That's of what course. I've been saying for years at the Pete Awards, and you still haven't given me one. Sorry. I deserve one. I showed up. I went to that museum when you told me to. Hey, better luck next year, man. The Pete Awards, where Pete only wins the awards. I mean, yes, the award shows always reward people one movie or TV show too late, but mm-hmm. that's embarrassing. Grow up, up. like Denzel <laughs> didn't need to get it uh, for um, the cop movie with training him and day. Training no, day. but he should have no. got it for Glory. Should shut the of fuck course, up. Of course, he should have got it for a ton of other movies. Shit. So what the fuck? What so is why are you giving it for a movie that was just weird? 
It's he over a million dollars. Who cares? Throw it to him. Conversely, it was very nice of you to give Denzel that Pete award. That was the honorary yes, one. That was really beautiful. And he's not he, even a Pete. Yeah, I know. He's when he Pete came God. out and he said, "Today we are all Pete's." Yeah, I, I cried. Pete. I straight yeah. up cried. Yeah. This is from Kevin. In the vein of sex, booze, and philosophy, what's something you never thought would mesh with comics until you saw it done? Also, quiz time? Wow. <laughs> quiz time? Quiz, quiz time! Quiz, please. Quiz, please. Uh, well, um, just shout out to Kevin uh, mentioning uh, Carl Lumley as Mantis, a show that I was like, oh, this is what comic book shows can really be when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, wow. Check Mantis out Mantis if you want to take a journey into what we were doing with comic book TV shows in the So what late, is something early though, that 90s? you never thought would mesh with comics until you saw it done? Um, I got to tell you, Selvin, I never sat down and go, you know what? Uh, let me just, before I read this comic, think about things that wouldn't work in comics. Are you talking to me or Kevin? Because I didn't write that yeah, question. That's a Kevin slam. Yeah. Um, I mean, shout out to um, our guest last week, like, uh, cooking, mm-hmm. cooking in comics, um, and it, it actually meshes really well. Like it's very, very good. Yeah, that was going to be my shout out as well. I think we talk about cooking books, cooking comic books a lot on here. Uh, cooking and ep- eating, books. cooking, yes, eating comic books and then reading them. Bad order to do that in, but uh, cooking manga is great. Uh, there was that Anthony Bourdain book a while back that was really good as well. Um, I interviewed him for that. That's uh, right. Book um, as part of our con coverage. Great yeah. to meet him. Uh, yeah, so There's that been... works really well. Also, music, music is another one. I feel play. like. Oh, I'm stealing your answer, Pete. Go ahead, yeah. please. No, I was going to say that. Yeah. You know, we've seen a bunch of comics where it actually worked. You could, like, they did such an interesting job with the the how the kind of music interacts with the characters that it it worked. You could kind of feel it, and um, you wouldn't think that. So it's it's been impressive to see. Do you have a book as an example of that, Pete? Something like I don't know. Let me just say my example: Murder Falcon. I thought. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Oh, you're a huge fan of that, right, Justin? Huge. Look at my T-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i mean another one on the Mix same note post, we've mentioned this a million times on the show but black metal that book yeah back in the day that's one we've talked about so many times because you can like hear the in the background while you're reading that book and it's great it's good stuff. uh also umbrella academy some of the music stuff in that was really well done yeah uh kevin i feel like we're running a little long today for this quiz but uh i don't know what do you guys think should we i don't think we have time well it's like we'll we'll come back to it we'll do it uh on another i say we can do it i'd say we can fit it in i don't know we have time let's go through these other questions kevin I, i swear we will come back at some point um, ooh, Michael Vinoya says, can you give us a stack preview of Ha Ha 6? I'm so excited for it. Yes, we oh, are going to be talking oh, about that yes. on the Stack Podcast, and it's something. It's We haven't read it yet, obviously, but it's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, this is from Pablo Martinez. Have you seen Black Widow? A fantastic hey, Pablo. Mo- movie in spite of the Taskmaster reveal. No spoilers, of course. Well, Pablo... You should head over over to the Marvel Vision podcast feed where we have a whole spoilery review of Black Widow live right now, as well as our Loki recaps. You should definitely check that out. But 
now that we have a little time past it, now that the movie is generally out and people have been discussing it for the past weekend, what'd you think? Have you reassessed your opinion at all? I went back and watched it again. Mm -hmm. And what did you think the second time? Seen it twice. Um, uh, (laughs) Your main takeaway is that you've seen it twice. That's no, (laughs) I, I so good. I went back for more. I mean, yeah, the taskmaster uh, stuff is heartbreaking. Uh, but um, other than that, uh, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the hand-to-hand combat. The knife stuff was really unbelievable. A lot of great action and funny family stuff, man. Just the, uh, you know, what's his face being the the worst dad in the world, but uh, you know, uh, loving kind of who he is and his family. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive what they did in such a small amount of time with the family stuff. A lot of haters out there was my takeaway from the reaction uh, online. Uh, and I just think it's a weirder movie than everyone thought. I think people thought it was going to be very much in the style of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, where it's going to be like sort of a straight over the plate um, action espionage story. And it was something much, much different. And I applaud that. So my opinion has only gotten more solidified. I thought it was great. I'm really interested to watch it again in a couple of years, honestly. You know, a lot of the conversation, and I think a lot of my feeling around it was placed around the place in time that this movie came out. That it didn't come out after Civil War when it should have come out, or potentially even earlier than that, but just time-wise in terms of the MCU, it should have come out after Civil War. Instead, it felt like it not only came out 10 years after we wanted to originally see a Black Widow movie, but five years, I guess, after we should have seen this Black Widow movie. So it felt a little like missed opportunities when I was watching it, even though I had a super fun time watching it at the same time. But I think a lot of that will go away. Like watching it five years from now, it will feel very different because we'll have more MCU movies. We'll have more, more MCU shows. It'll kind of stand on its own. Also it'd be crazy years from now to then go back and like kind of watch it all in order. It'd be crazy. I want to surface this conversation. I think Alex, you were involved with from our uh, Patreon Slack about how if this had come out before Endgame, and the uh, fight mm-hmm. on Vormir was n- rather than being between um, uh, Natasha and Hawkeye, it was between Yelena and Natasha, and um, Black Widow and Natasha died, and Yelena emerged like way better situation yeah. than what we had, like very much, much better. So. I think that would be the ideal sitch. I agree. I I was kind of waffling back and forth about that one, but the more that I thought about it, that would have, obviously there's no way that would work. You know, Florence Plew would not have been cast as Yelena or anything like that. It's a fantasy scenario, but not only would that have been great, but then thinking about, you know, that girl power moment in Avengers Endgame, when it's all the female superheroes coming out, which honestly, when I saw the theater, I laughed out loud because it was so ridiculous, but I kind of loved, loved it, it at the same time. Um, but it's gotten a lot of flack from people, and I think deservedly so at the same time for being like, we're all girls together. But the thing that it was missing was Black Widow being there because she was 
the first one. She was the one who, you know, Pepper is there. I get it in the rescue suit and whatever. But really, it should have been Natasha leading that charge. And if you have that scenario while we're continuing with fantasy where Yelena and Natasha fight on Vormir and Natasha sacrifices herself for her sister, Yelena is left behind. And then Yelena is leading that group and says, you know, for Natasha or something that yeah. gives that moment such value. Weight. Yes. yes. The yeah again all fantasy obviously never going to happen, but uh, just thinking yeah. through that stuff. If we believe hard enough and we get enough fan signatures, mm-hmm. we can make that happen. <laughs> Is Marvel still there? Are they still getting our <laughs> feedback from earlier in the podcast? Definitely, Kevin. Kevin, throw a shout out in the comments real quick. <laughs> Kev. Uh, this is from over on YouTube. Easy Reader says, why can't Throg break the jar? This is mild spoilers for Loki. But in the last episode, we finally saw Throg. The uh, I don't think Throg had the hammer in there. I thought that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, like there's no. Mjolnir is outside the jar. Right. Where Throg is trapped. So that's why I can't do it. Yeah. Plus, he's a frog. Yes. Well, I will say uh, this is something that came out. This is something that came out immediately afterwards. Uh, There was one of the producers, I believe, was doing a tweet thread about the show and giving some fun behind the scenes information. They apparently straight up shot a scene for the first episode with Throg fighting Loki. That was voiced by Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) And uh, that was during the highlights of his life. It was supposed to be like the D.B. Cooper thing, a scene that you had never seen before. And they ended up not using it, I think, either uh, for time or because it didn't work textually. But that's like, release that. We need that deleted. Exactly. You shot it and you're not going to put that anywhere? Come on. Yeah. I I need a, after this, I need a Throg series for sure. Hmm. But I also, saw somebody like, post uh, some sort of fan art of Alligator Loki, Miss Minutes, and Throg as animated characters. Delightful. Oh I'd watch God. that. Fun. Yeah. Just fun. All day. All day or day. Uh, this is uh, ooh, This is from uh, Michael Vonoy. What superhero has the best manscaped grooming habits? <laughs> Great oh. question. Um, well, we don't really know a lot of their habits. Um, we don't. We I, don't. I would think who needs it the most, our guy Wolverine, healing mm-hmm. factor, going to cause a lot of grow back. Yeah. So yeah, he needs to get to do that a lot shit of shaving. Done. Yeah. I, I don't know. Aquaman just for, you know, sleekness underwater. I don't. Mm-hmm. What do I know? Yeah. He, he's oh, you want him to drag. swim faster. Yeah. 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 That's so he has one. pants. Those pants on. Uh, the darkness. Total metrosexual. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess he probably grooms a lot. Do you think he has his little darkness creatures groom for him? Oh, come on, yeah. dude. They all have separate uh, manscaped. <laughs> they order their own. One of those they're going to need that light, yeah. for sure. One of his dark creatures is his social media intern maintaining his Instagram presence. Yeah, that's the that's the series we want with that character. Oh, Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, all right, folks. I think that is it for your audience questions. Yeah. Uh, now, I'll tell you what. It is time for our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Pete all LePage. Right. But the person who was supposed to be here to do trivia today is not here. So we open it back up to the floor? got to open it up. Are you the all happiest right, little boy part- alive? This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity when 25 
free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. All you have to do is put your hand up, write something in the comments that you want to participate, and you Crowdcast can win 25 free online dollars towards Midtown Comics. But online nice dollars translate to real dollars. This yes. isn't sort of some crypto situation. Pablo's got his hand up. Uh oh. Ooh, Pablo, get ready to win some NFTs we're giving away today. Very Yes, exciting. some very low priced NFTs. We're <laughs> NFTing this podcast. I saw something. I don't even remember what it what was, you... but they were giving away 91,000 limited edition MFTs. And I was like, you're just posting gifts at that point. You're not doing it. That's what we're all, we've all been giving away NFTs for years in a lot of ways. <laughs> this show technically is an NFT, I believe. Or an yeah. NFT generator. Yeah. Hey. Like, okay. This is the first We're the original NFT, Pablo. We've been doing it for years. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yes. New York City, man. Love the shirt. All right. Yeah. <laughs> New York City. Great city. Great shirt. <laughs> Today's stream is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Charles Robinson. R.I.P. Okay. Mac. All right, here we go. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Question number one. What anti-hero is returning in com- in a comic book relaunch? Is it A, Thunderbolts, B, The Darkness, or is it C, Beverly D'Angelo? So it's either Whoa. A, Thunderbolts, or it's B, The Darkness that got a call... Call out in the comments. Oh, that's B. That's B. That is correct. is coming back. Here we go. Question number two. What amazing artist is returning to DC for a Catwoman comic called Catwoman Lonely City? Is it A, Cliff Chang, B, Jim Lee, or is it C, Cat Dennings? So it's either A, Cliff Chang, or it's B, don't pick a Jim Lee. I'm a fan of both, but uh, Cliff Chang is the answer. Uh, nice. Agreed with a fan of both, uh, but I am very excited that Cliff Chang is back, and I can't wait for his Catwoman comic. That's going to be phenomenal. Here we go. Last question, Pablo. In August, we are getting a new Ghost Rider comic called Spirits of Vengeance, Spirit Rider. But who okay. is going to be the new Ghost Rider? Is it A, the Sorcerer Supreme, B, John Constantine, or is it C, Shaquille O'Neal? So it's either A, if you would like $25, or you could pick John Constantine, which I thought would be an interesting uh, ghost <laughs> writer. That will be A, man. A is correct. Woo! Nice. Pablo. Congratulations. You have won $25 at Midtown Comics. We will get that gift Thank card. You. Off to you and have a great night. Great night, gentlemen. Pablo. Later, right. Pablo. There we go. Now, if you do want to participate in trivia, we'll drop a link to the Google form that you got to fill out to be a contestant. Either uh, I'll drop it in the comments here in a second, and also over on Twitter after the show over the next couple of days. So stay tuned to that at Comic Book Live. But as we all know... Wait, I just want to say, uh, Kevin oh, right, right. Uh, the movie is The House Bunny. Oh. Well, nice. thank you Finally, for... Finally, we're honoring that film. Yes, yeah. thank you. That's R.I.P. The House Bunny. That's yeah. what you were saying, right? Yeah, because yeah, that film has been officially dead. Oh. And it killed. So sad. What comic books are you looking forward to that are coming out this week, folks? Pete, I'm... let's go over to you. 
I'm very excited that Mouse Guard is back. Mouse uh, Guard. I knew you were going to say Mouse Guard. Lose my shit. You get a really personal, unbelievable story from David Peterson, uh, who writes and draws it. And, uh, you know, got me a little choked up. That's nice. And so, real quick, it's Mickey Mouse Guard. And Mickey Mouse is like, it's, how dare you? How dare you? So I'm just you trying to get a handle on the book. I just want people insult, to know what the book is. Don't insult the Mouse Guard, man. And Pluto. Justin, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give it up for um, Man Eaters: The Cursed, number one. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Um, this story about are you a, all like uh, haha number six Wahhabi? Of course, but we already talked about that. This is about highlighting books that maybe people Wahhabi. aren't going to. Haha number six is great and terrifying and very fun. Um, but uh, Man Eaters: The Cursed, number one. Uh, a girl uh, sent to camp um, by her parents. Um, so Horrible they can go have a, a romantic weekend. Um, uh, the tone of this book is so fun. I thought it's both funny and scary in equal parts. I feel like a lot of books sort of fall on one side of that uh, rubric, and this one really goes for it on I, both. And I appreciate it. I hated the buttons. That really upset me. Well, we'll get. We'll talk more about this on the stack. I am really interested to read Aliens Aftermath number one from Marvel, mm. just because the because the book- aliens are all smooth. Is that why? <laughs> Yep. Hey, thanks for remembering. Jesus Christ, Pete. Uh, you're. I've really been enjoying the Alien book from Philip Kennedy Johnson. That's been super yeah, scary. Yeah. I'm curious to see if they can carry it forward with another team. And folks, that is it for this podcast this week. A couple of people we want to thank for coming on the show. We want to thank J.K. Woodward for coming on. Check out the Kana Sutra right now from Smart Pop Press. Also, Ray Fox for One Line coming out one July line. 21st. Oh, good. Both great books. Great books. Next week, as mentioned on the show, Andre Darlington, the writer of Gotham City Cocktails, is going to be here as well as our official CBC chef. Ray Bullies. So coming for you. Stock up your liquor case and come on down. Yeah. Liquor case? Is that what you call it? Nope. Stock up your liquor cabinet. Get engaged to the person you love, and we'll see you next week. Check out Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. Uh, We are going to be wrapping up Loki tomorrow, but we'll have more things to come after that. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and find true love. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night! Good night, folks! So grab your What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.